We've got the devil to pay, so we're going to scream at a cow. I'm Van Connor. And I'm Vex Perfect, and this is Offscreen, your seven-day guide to everything movies. Boom. Groovy. Welcome to Offscreen, and I am giving kudos to Van there. That is probably the best pre-intro ramble that I've heard you say in a long time. Um, this is your cinematic guide to everything on the big screen, the small screen, and everything in between, and it is our absolute pleasure to take you through the big releases that are going to change your life this week when it comes to your cinematic prowess. So, Van, we've got some interesting movies. We've got a big screamer of a movie, excuse the pun there, uh, but we're going to kick off with The Devil Will Pay. But, okay, you've just illustrated a, a, a key issue with this film straight off the bat, which I love and adore, and that's the fact that it has the most generic, interchangeable title you ever done heard. Uh, so first of all, it's The Devil to Pay. Um, it, it, it sounds an awful lot like uh, The Devil it's Will Pay. It's not as pay. easy. And, yeah, it's not I, as easy to say The is. Devil to Pay. Yeah. And as generic a title as that is, that's not even the original title. The original title was the somehow even more generic t- uh, sounding Reckoning, which is bonkers to me. Okay, so this is um, uh, the latest from uh, from Rucker Sky. So Rucker Sky was the, the writer on Becky, which we reviewed last year. Do you remember uh, mm-hmm. it had Kevin James as the bad guy and it was the they, they held the family hostage in the cabin in the woods and, and they, the, the like Yeah, 13, I think I remember this. Yeah. yeah, she took them out one by one. Kevin James was surprisingly great in it. Remember, we were weirded out by that at the time. So he has now uh, stepped behind the camera as director for this one. And this is something more, I think it's sort of an attempt at a Taylor Sheridan kind of a vibe. What Mm. you've got is a a struggling farmer's wife in the Appalachian Mountains, which is sort of self-governed in in and of themselves, who's been terrorised by the local crime family who are sort of extorting them for for energy rates and uh, hire her husband for sort of criminal jobs. And the husband dies on a job and she's left with his debt. And uh, in order to coerce her, the boss of this sort of justified level hick hillbilly kind of crime family um who happens to be a sort of mama soprano figure at the same time but literally the the timothy oliphant justified kind of a version takes Mm. our struggling farmer's wife's son hostage in order to coerce her to uh, to pay this debt and uh, well this leaves her with with only a few options none of them good morning lim Take this way to totally get home. How long have you been gone? Dreams can be dangerous. Tully can blind a man to his duties. I suppose you're wondering why I summoned you. The debt is paid. I gave him a chance to make it right. Find your husband. Return what's mine. I'll murder your boy. And I'll bury you alive right next to him. Now, I found this movie a little bit all over the place. Mm. It was, yeah, it was not the easiest to kind of follow and immerse yourself in, in a way. There's a lot of moving parts to it. It's, it's a bit sort of hillbilly elegy meets, God, I don't really know. <laughs> like you said, Sopranos, maybe. It is a little bit like that. And it's just, for me, it didn't really it didn't really do the business. Um, I, 
I, I, I can't quite put my finger on why. I think there, like the, when you think of the Appalachian Trail and the Appalachian Mountains and stuff, there is like this weird mythology and mysticism around it. Of course, um, yeah. Which, yeah, which is what kind of they play on a bit and, and, and the lead character kind of goes and, and meets this weird group of hippies that are living in yeah. like the back of a van and tents. And I'm like, why are we here with this? What's going on? There's lots of weird, mo- like I say, the moving parts. And actually, if they'd have just simplified it a little bit more, it would have been a much more engaging film in my book. That's the thing, because I feel like that element you just described, what you call the the hill, the hillbillies, the, the hippies, the hippies, sorry, the hippies element yeah. you just described, for instance, it does exemplify a big problem with the film, which is it does seem to keep taking on aspirations of being other films like i said about it wanting to be taylor sheridan and and you said at times it was to be hillbilly elegy it's, it just keeps shifting what it wants to be and then you have that third act in which it just becomes a straight revenge thriller um, yeah. and all the way through the only thing anchoring it down i think is uh, the central performance from i think it's danielle deadweiler who's sort of a, yeah. you know not, not an un, she's she's kind of an unknown on the sort of mainstream but she's a sort of jobbing you know tv guest star actress so she's She's, you know, quite a decent... Quite she was good. Great performance. And she does hold it all together. But it is taking a sort of a two-star mishmash and elevating it to a three-and-a-half on that performance, three to three-and-a-half, just on the performance. But it is a two-star film as a result. Yeah, and I think, I think unfortunately, that if it had been a better film, it would have elevated... Um, D- Danielle Deadweiler to to mm. to bigger and better things. So actually, I think yeah. her performance was really good in this. There was moments right at the beginning before I kind of looked into who the cast was and stuff. It was a bit sort of Viola Davis in a way. There were moments of real brilliance in her that in her characterization. That very specific Viola Davis intensity. I know exactly the. There's a moment as well, isn't it? There's an exact moment. Yeah. Like, this kind of reminds me. Of, yeah, I remember when Viola Davis did something like yeah. It does have that exact level of intensity, doesn't it? Yeah, and exactly what yeah. you mean. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's kind of what drew me in initially, where I was like, oh, okay, okay, I'm watching this. And then it just yeah. goes a bit bonkers, doesn't it? And you kind of go, look, with the movies that we've watched about the Appalachian Trail and the Appalachian Mountains, you kind of go, it's either going to go down the horror route and stuff is going to go really weird, or it's going to go down the kind of older generational route, that Robert Redford movie that we watched, which was the Appalachian, based on the Appalachian Trail. Walk in the it's Woods? Kind of, was that Walk in the walk Woods? Walk in the Woods, that's it. And I'm yeah. kind of like, I didn't know what to expect from this and I was a bit underwhelmed or just whelmed, maybe, by this. <laughs> nothing nothing more. <laughs> Ten things I heard about you, Tag of the Week. Right, um, <laughs> okay, speak, you, you used the word bonkers a few minutes ago. I'm going to use that to describe... Um, my next adventure. Uh, <laughs> this is uh, the, the Andrea Arnold-directed documentary, Cow. Remember Andrea Arnold? She did Red Road, Fish, Fish Tank. Tank. Yeah, remember Andrea Arnold. Uh, was it American Honey? That was Andrea Arnold. Remember remember Andrea Arnold? Yeah, she did yeah. a documentary. She did a documentary. And it's, it's 94 <laughs> minutes long, and it's... Uh, it's not got a word of actual dialogue in it. I think there's an errant sentence heard in the background every now and again. It chronicles the life of a cow, to be honest. Um, no more, no less. Andrea Arnold has discovered... Uh, I've, I've not got a clip, because what am I going to play you? What, there's no clip. 
What, what, what am I going to play? Moo? Am I going to play you Moo? Is, is, that, is that how this is going to... No, I'm not doing that. I'm not... Moo? No. And there's not even that many moves. Like I say, that would count as dialogue. This is dialogue free. Shall I tell you where I stand with this movie? Just, please, just quickly please. before you uh, babble on. You sent me, and this is your fault, you sent me the Morning Star <laughs> review of this movie. Yeah, before I'd seen it. And you sent me yeah, your, your review of it and said, have a read. I read your review... And I went, I'm not watching this movie. <laughs> I refuse to watch this movie. That is time I will not get back. And therefore, I, I made a stance. It sounded utterly ridiculous, as to <laughs> which is, is how you ended your review. Yeah, that's where I stand with this. I refuse, to, I refuse to give this any airtime. It's like she discovered the existence of webcams after three decades of just not noticing them. It's insane to me. If anything, if it's not that, then it's art with a capital F. It's the most insane thing. And the only thing I can think of is this is she's trolling me. She's she's trolling us. And then I looked around, and other critics were giving it four stars and declaring it the most whimsical gag of the season. Are the most you joking? Show of the season. I'm not even kidding. I'm not. And I've had mutual friends of ours make, try and make like impassioned cases to me about how brilliant this is. Maria Duarte, my colleague at the Morning Star, who assigned me that review, okay, because believe me, otherwise I wouldn't have touched it with a 10-foot pole on concepts alone. She made the, the argument that she would recommend it to children, like as educational thing. I, 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 I despair. I, I, I despair. I... I, I, I I, I, maybe I'm being Emperor's New Clothed. That's my, maybe that's what's happening. I, I, yeah. uh, if you want to see Andrea Arnold webcam a cow for 94 minutes, have at it. It's called Cow. I think Mooby have got it this weekend. Fill your boots. For anyone else like me who's had to endure this and, and feels the way I do, fetch the bolt gun. Welcome back to Off Screen. So we're keeping you on the big screen right now with, wow, a screamer, really. Yes, it is the return of Scream. I'm not sure how many years it's been since we saw the last one, and I'm not sure if the last one was any good, but I've heard on the grapevine that this one ain't too bad. Well, that, this, that's it. So, new Scream movie. Okay, so, this, right, Scream feels like a property that's just never been gone because mm. we had the last attempt to revive this a decade ago. So it was about 2011. So I think it was when I started reviewing was when they released uh, Scream 4. And that was the one that had uh, Emma Roberts in it as Nev Campbell's, like, young cousin. And they sort oh, of yeah. tried to create the same format with the new generation as the, as the focus. Now, this is the same kind of an attempt here but what they're going for instead is something more akin to uh, really if, if anything star wars the force awakens so it's an attempt to basically introduce new characters whilst taking the former characters on as supporting characters and mentors. So Nev Campbell, David Arquette and Courtney Cox are all back, but they're back now firmly in the role of sort of the parents of this generation. So you've got a, a crop of, of, uh, of teenagers. I think Melissa Barrera from, from West Side Story uh, is in there. Uh, 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 Jack Quaid, you know, Jack Quaid is the, the lead in The Boys. Uh, he's, he's in there as well. And they're a new generation that get into another, get involved in another series of ghost face related slashings, you know, the iconic costume killer in the small California town of Woodsboro. And of course, this one, as Dewey points out, this happens quite often, but 
this one, because of its ties to their respective legacies, this one seems different. The killer is a part of something in the past. This one just feels different. You're all in danger. Bob? Where? Sydney. I've seen this movie before. Not this movie. You said we were gonna finish this. Go finish it, Sydney. So you mentioned Dewey there. Um, mm -hmm. We are seeing some famous old faces come back into the franchise, aren't we? That, that's right. So Nev Campbell, uh, you know, Courtney Cox and, and David Arquette all back. Um, and there are some surprises as well. So there are, like say, legacy characters from different movies, like surviving ones, obviously. I mean, they're not huge spoilers <laughs> or anything. And there's Yeah, they're about Drew Barrymore back. But, uh, and there's nods. There's a lot of in-looking. There's, there's a lot of self mythologizing going on here. It is, of course, meta as standard. It's Scream. It's, you know, it's one of the original meta properties of, you know, sort of this era, of this, this sort of mm. recent era. And uh, it, it's strange in a sense that the movie opens with a song that samples um, Miss Jackson. By, uh, by by Outcast. Outcast, yeah. By Outcast, yeah. Um, it samples that as if it's an old nostalgic track. And there, there's a feeling of that all the way through Scream 2021, because they do that ridiculous thing again where they, they just use the title of the first movie again, like Halloween, because that's not going to confuse the hell out of anyone. And uh, it, it, it's, uh, I mean, I'm just saying, Five Cream was right there. Five Cream was right yeah. there, and we'd all have loved it. Are they calling it Scream 2021? Just or... Scream. It's just Scream. Just it Scream. It is just Scream. Okay. That's it. Now, to be honest, with this one, the, the younger cast aren't that remarkable. They're not especially memorable. The characters are about as well-defined as your average Final Destination movie. There is something of an expansion to the Scream mythos, and you do get the impression they could carry this on, that there could be enough to, to build a slightly more inventive follow-on from. But this does fall victim to the Force Awakens dilemma, the Force Awakens dilemma, the Superman Returns dilemma, the, the, the Matrix uh, Resurrections dilemma, the, you know, the idea that we, they ultimately have to fall back on, we still need to remake the first movie before we can move on. And there's a lot of that going on. It, it, don't get me wrong, they, they do something slightly, slightly different with it, but it is still to that formula. It is still to that original nuts and bolts. Okay, we have to tab A has to go into slot B, literal, literal formula. Mm. But there are a few asides and a few quirks to it that do make it a little bit more memorable than that. The problem is it's not especially memorable than that. Um, it is, however, the best in my opinion of all the Scream sequels. I think I had a good time with it. I did get into it, and there was background nodding and in referencing and, and full on horror nerding that I loved. Here's here's one you're going to adore, Bex. Okay. At one point, at one point during, I think, uh, a school party scene, which is like a replication of the third act from the, th the first movie, you know, the, 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 you know, the house party, they have that house party again. And I think at one point you see a television and it's got on the television, uh, in, in the background, it's purely a background thing that no one's really going to notice. 
the episode from the first season of Dawson's Creek, the Halloween-themed episode. Ah. And it's only then that I noticed it. I thought, hang on a minute. The showrunner of Dawson's Creek was Kevin Williamson, the writer of the Scream movies. It's all connected. And I, I had oh, a bit I of love, a murder. I love a little Easter egg like that. It's, that is a kind of an Easter egg, isn't it? And it's like, You've right. got loads of stuff. Like You've got characters named Loomis and Carpenter. And I mean, Loomis was obviously in the first movie. You've got new characters named Carpenter and things like that. I thought this was great. Characters, new characters, younger characters who are talking about how much they prefer more cerebral horror movies like The Babadook and It Follows and Hereditary and how they like movies that really make them think about the human condition and psychology. Not really any of that slashery stuff from the 80s. That's a bit passe <laughs> now and a bit misogynist. And the weird part is the movie at times becomes this really fun sort of you know, clash between millennials and Gen Zers or whatever we're supposed to call members of the, the Gen Z uh, sort of, you know, uh, age age range. And, and mm. it, it's, it's a wonderful, it's a wonderful sort of, op, op, you know, uh, opposing... A mishmash. Uh, yeah, it's a wonderful mashup. I really like it. And the yeah, way that, that it bounces with the movies that it talks about as well. Terrific. I thought it did a really good job there. It's the most I've enjoyed, like just sat and enjoyed any of the sequels. At all. Yeah. So this is this is the Shrek Forever After of the Scream series for me. So let me ask Absolutely. you this to round oh. let me ask you this to round it off. Why should people get off their backsides, go to the cinema and go and watch this new reincarnation of Scream? Because I do think it's one of the most fun mainstream slash movies I've seen in recent times. Even if it is a bit to formula. I think it hefts on it hefts on its 18 rating quite nicely, and it does deliver something of an inventive enough slasher, even if it is just a sort of a version of Star Wars: The Force Awakens. And now it's time for a segment we like to call Offscreen Pays the Bills. Hey, Bex. Hey, Van. What's going on? Ain't nothing going on, Mother Wren. You know how it is. And another thing I'm coming to know very, very quickly, especially in the last few months, is that, uh, well, it's, it's getting uh, increasingly difficult to find ways to keep the kids mm. busy, especially during COVID when, when kids are home more often. And you, you, you kind of don't want to stick them in front of a screen all day. You want to give them something to do. Luckily, there are companies that can help with that. Companies, wonderful companies, such as Mel science who do all the legwork for you and if you don't know about them what they do is they send you monthly science boxes you know like you and i have like our meal boxes these are like uh, monthly science boxes that are stem themed which is uh science uh technology engineering and math so they, they get this kit every month it's got all the components in so you don't have to uh, to run off like when we were kids you had to go and find a nine volt battery and a lemon remember that they all come with really clear instructions and the kids can follow them themselves with very easy to follow pictures and each one has a different theme and can be catered to different age groups. So you can have one for like 5+, plus, 8+, plus, and 10+. Plus. You can have one for physics. You can have one for, for chemistry. And like I say, it has absolutely everything in there. Like I say, in incredibly helpful. No one needs to go through the 9-volt battery and lemon hunt of, of my childhood. Keep the kids engaged. Get them into science. Science is cool. Get into science. And you can head over to Mel Science. And for the next month, you can use the promo code OFFSCREEN or follow the link in our description for this episode to get 60% off your first Mel Kids set. Wow. 
welcome back to off screen so we're moving you from the big screen down to the small screen and we have your seven day guide to everything that you'll want to watch in terms of movies on tv and we're kicking off with a bit of an action one for you if you if you miss if you're feeling a bit sluggish this january i think this might get you back up on off the couch uh, but after you've watched it of course on itv at 11:05 p.m on friday you'll kick off your weekend with the born supremacy I am struggling to keep up with how many borns there are. Are there four? Is it three or four? Well, I, I, I think the way it works now is I think there are there are five canonical yeah. born movies yeah. and a TV show called Treadstone. So there's there's the original Jason Bourne trilogy. That's the first three. So that's Born Identity, Born. Uh, supremacy, mm-hmm. and then there's Born Ultimatum. Then there's the fourth one that's like a side call that's uh, the Born Legacy with Jeremy yes. Renner yeah. and I think Rachel Weiss. Then the fifth one is just Jason Bourne, and that's where Matt Damon comes back. It's got Tommy Lee Jones and Riz Ahmed in it. And then there's Treadstone, which is on Amazon Prime, which is the series spin-off. So that this is the second one that's on ITV um, on this ITV tonight at eleven oh five. It's kind of a perfect time for a Friday. You know, if you're yeah. having, a, having a Friday night in, and it's a, kind perfect, of a perfect, time a perfect for a Friday night movie, night. I think as well. One. Yeah, yeah. It's got, and this is the one with Carl Urban. I think is the villain. Is this the oh, one I love Carl, Carl Urban, Urban, who is dread. Which you I know? think is <laughs> you got to love Carl Urban. Yeah, is it, might, is it Carl Urban? I can't remember. It's, or am I think I might be mixing that up with Red? I'm going to find this out. But there are so many. He fights so many people in all these movies. But who doesn't love a bit of Matt Damon on prime yeah. Jason Bourne form, kicking ass and taking names? Eleven oh five ITV tonight. The Bourne supremacy. What's not to love? What's not to love? Speaking of not <laughs> to love, now this is one that I think is 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 I think misjudged. I think was I think is actually a better movie than he gets credit for. This was a de facto swap because I gave yes. you the wrong listings. It was your uh, fault. I apologise. So I had to put this in at the last minute. So. I don't know if you know this, but very recently, over on BBC, uh, BBC One, I think it is, decided to revive the Saturday night tea time family TV slots. You know, like we used to have in the 90s mm. with Lois and Clark and even Baywatch and things like that, Night Rider. You know, yeah. Saturday tea time, you used to sit down with your family and there'd always be something on, like a US one hour show. And they revived that recently. Harkening back to the 90s heyday of Lois and Clark with Superman and Lois. In order to balance against this, which evidently has gone down quite well, ITV2 have counter-programmed this week with Superman Returns from 2006. The following day, they're also showing Man of Steel from, I think, 2013 as well, the Zack Snyder one, but you can avoid that one. This is a way better movie than Man of Steel. This is the Brandon Routh one from 2006. It does feature two names that are deeply problematic now. It is directed by Brian Singer, and its villain Lex Luthor is played by Kevin Spacey. Um, This is the one with Kate Bosworth Mm -hmm. as Lois Lane, James Marsden as the uh, the love interest, her uh, her new uh, partner and baby daddy, seemingly, uh, and uh, Perry White is Frank Langella. I really, really love this movie. It does have its weird elements, but it does kind of get into the psychology of the darker side of Superman, but still whilst paying homage to the Richard Donner iconography. Here is Superman peeving in on his ex and her new hubby. That article that you wrote. Why the world doesn't need Superman? No, 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 no. The other one from years ago, before we met? Well, which article? I wrote dozens about him. I was practically his press agent. I spent the night with Superman. Richard, come on. 
It was the title of an interview. Plus, it was your Uncle Perry's idea. No, 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 I know, I know, it's okay, it's okay. Richard, it's a long time ago. Were you in love with him? <laughs> he was Superman. Everyone was in love with him. What were you? Do you know what I have to say? I'm getting back into Superman at the moment because I, I am watching that Superman and Lois mm. on iPlayer, uh, the series, and I actually quite enjoy it. I think it's really good, like taking like they've got grown up kids, uh, as in like sorry, they've got teenage kids, you know, yeah, discovering yeah. powers and stuff, and you know, going back to to Kansas and things. It's it's, it's interesting. I I, I, I yeah, I, it definitely captured my attention. Mm. So I might revisit this one. I quite like that from the clip. This one, this one's the sequel to Superman uh, Two. Uh, Superman Two. This is the sequel to Superman Two. So the idea is that this is like a, a, an alternative yeah. Superman Three from the Richard Donner series. So he is meant to be the Richard Donner Superman. And Brandon Routh is an excellent Superman. Such, like he, it's such he a really shame. does it well. The contact lenses yeah. are quite ridiculous, but you know it's a shame that he didn't. And he took a he unfortunately took a downward spiral yeah. when this didn't work out for him. But uh, he, he he bounced back. Guy's on fine form now, evidently. Anyway, on to Sunday then. What we got back? Of course got they do. 90s and it's, it's a bit of a debatable one for people, actually. I think some people love this, some people hate it. I'm kind of like, yeah, I quite love this movie. It's Waterworld on Paramount Channel at 6.25pm on Sunday. I always think like this is big sets. This is your big Hollywood 90s movie. You know, Kevin Costner, biggest name at the time. You know, you've got... Is it Dennis Hopper's in this as well? You've got massive... Yeah, he's Dennis the villain, Hopper you've got massive villain, action yeah. stunts. It's like, what would happen if the world was full of water? And how do you survive? You survive on the water, on these weird uh, industrial style world, um, what is it, like, ugh, yeah, raft like islands. Raft yeah. islands, aren't yeah. they? Like island rafts, yeah. Atolls, I think yeah. they are actually called but it's atolls. Just, it's, again, this is about immersing yourself. You can watch this movie and get completely lost mm. in it and forget where you are for a couple of hours, and that's what I love about it. Well, it, it, it's, it's emblematic of a heyday in, at that point around 1995, and we had a lot of very interesting attempts at dystopian, at mainstream yeah. dystopian sci-fi. And we don't think about this. It's like weirdly not a thing that happens very often. I can remember Mortal Instruments tried it a couple, uh, Mortal Engines tried it a couple of years ago. But think about yes. you have things like Tank Girl oh, and Johnny Mnemonic and Waterworld and stuff like that. And this was this was the big one. This was the most expensive mm -hmm. movie ever at the time because the sets kept getting destroyed yeah. by hurricanes. That was the story. Hurricanes kept coming along and destroying all the island sets that they built. Which, is, which kept driving up the cost of the movie. So it became the most expensive movie of all time until Titanic came along, I think, and took it from us. So you can see the results for yourself. I think they're worthwhile. It's an important movie, if nothing else, just for 90s Hollywood history. Uh, Paramount, Sunday, 9.25. On to Monday, then, Bex. Superhero Shane remake on Film 4 at 9pm. Well, I thought Logan. I couldn't possibly put anything else in on Monday night if Logan is there. I thought you would have my guts for garters. Yeah. It's a banger, isn't it? This, it yeah. It's an absolute banger. This is, like I say, it's a remake of remake of the Western Shane with Wolverine, like old Wolverine. Closes out Hugh Jackman's solo trilogy, ends the character for the franchise. It's a bloody good film. It tugs on the heartstrings. Yeah, it's yeah I think it's really good. And I think, you know, Hugh Jackman does an amazing job in it. I think well-deserved kind of like awards accolades that it achieved at the time. It, you know, a, a good mm. all-rounder movie. And I think if you're wanting to see his character like you say like come to that kind of conclusion this is the movie to do it with 
Oh yeah. So uh, let's let's go for scale then, because I remember this was I think this was my second week of national press shows like in my life, and uh, that was when I saw this movie, and it, I was very excited for it. It let me down a bit, but it still had some scale, and I actually quite enjoyed elements of it. So Everest is on great movies on Tuesday night at nine p.m. This is the, this was the surprisingly quite this was quite well made. It just wasn't. All the characters weren't all that engaging, but it was quite well done as a in terms yeah, of yeah. And it was kind scale. of like the problem with this was like they were like, oh, we'll get some big names. So Jake Gyllenhaal's in this, and you know, yeah. But then they were like, let's chuck yeah. Kira Knightley in it for some reason, and she had nothing really to do in it. And it was just not that she has much to do in anything, but you know, it's like it's just like why? It's just to kind of pad out the the thing. And I remember being at a press screening for this. And like expect it's the classic one. You expect so much, and you walk out, and you're kind of like, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's let's talk about one that mm. defied expectations, because I remember this coming out in the '90s and just dropping with just a sonic boom. So you know, it, it, this was like a water cooler thing in its heyday. Yes. Shallow Grave is on Wednesday nights, 10:50 on Film Four. This this was like one of the er, this was the yeah. early Danny Boyle. This was like setting the setting the ground yeah. for then this train is like, spotting. This is like the it? rehearsal. This was, like, this was the rehearsal for Danny Boyle and and mm. Ewan McGregor, right? This was like this is the moment that he's yeah. like, there's something special about this guy. We, I'm gonna make a really seminal movie with <laughs> train spotting. It's oh, a really good thriller it. as well. It's like a really good thriller. Yeah. Christopher Rackleston's in this as well, yeah, isn't he? Christopher Rackleston co-stars. Is, in, is he the mother superior in uh, train spotting as well? I might have got that wrong, but um, you know, look, this is the thing that started to put Danny Boyle on the map. This is like, I think this kind of came out around the time that Reservoir Dogs, and we started to get this new sort of cycle of exciting directors yeah, it and was, yeah. you know and and that was all happening across in the US and then over in the UK suddenly we're hearing there's a, there's a new kid on the block and it's Danny Boyle and he's going to be doing some great yeah. gritty British amazing amazing things and this is the you know they weren't wrong the predictions were right and Shallow Grave was just the start of it so I, I love this movie so you mentioned Reservoir Dogs there which takes us on nicely to our final pick of the week taking you all the way up to next Thursday night 9pm on great movies it is <clears throat> not my favourite yeah. of these two movies actually I'm, I'm one of those people that likes part two better I, I actually do think they stuck the landing but it's part one of is it the did, was this the fifth film from Quentin Tarantino, or the fourth film? I can't remember which number this was. Kill Bill, Volume 1, on Great Movies, 9pm on Thursday night. Uma Thurman is the bride, out for revenge after being left for dead on her wedding day. Taking names off of her revenge list, one by one. Here's a clip of her just having taken one of them out, basically doing it right in front of her daughter. It's not my intention to do this in front of you. For that, I'm sorry. But you can take my word for it. Your mother had it coming. When you grow up, if you still feel raw about it, If that doesn't whet your appetite for um, for, for your Saturday night, uh, sorry, your Thursday night, actually, <laughs> to see you into the following weekend, I don't know what will. One of the greatest movies out there. I'm a bigger fan of the of Volume 1 than I am Volume 2, so you've got both sides of the fence on that. Yeah, more action, more, more action. action. 
More I action. love the action the ones. Action so that's one. it. Great movies, 9 p.m. That rounds off a fantastic week of movies on TV. So make sure you guys check out and pick some of your favorites. But for now, we'll be back in just a tickle with some movies on the in-between section, which is your DVD, Blu-ray and streaming. Welcome back for one last ride off screen. And we're going first and foremost down that DVD and Blu-ray aisle. You know, the old shiny discs, be they found virtual or in an actual brick and mortar store. And coming to shiny disc this coming Monday, the 17th of January, you can find this was actually quite delayed, wasn't it? This is the uh, the second installment of the reboot called Tr Halloween Trilogy. So you had Halloween 2017 or 2018 that was the reboot called, it was the alternative part two to John Carpenter's 1978 original Halloween. And then this is effectively then part three and there's a part four to come. So you have Halloween, Halloween once more, and then Halloween Kills, which is this one, and then Halloween Ends? I think it's Halloween Ends, which is supposed to be next year. This is the second installment in which it turns out, wouldn't you know it, Michael Myers survived because evidently there needs to be a trilogy. And, uh, well, you can imagine the chaos that ensues as the entire town of Haddonfield realise the boogeyman is real and decide to just mob up and go after him themselves. Tommy! Tommy, Tommy you can't go in there! Tommy! Lori! Tommy. Tommy! He killed Marion and he attacked Lindsay too. What? Karen! We didn't know for sure. I didn't know what to tell you. Mom, I just want you to be okay. Listen, I just want you to know, when he gets here, I'm gonna kill him. Because 40 years ago, when I was a kid, yeah. you protected me. So tonight, I'm gonna protect you, okay? Nurse, you know, I appreciate you, but could you get out, please? Like, get out now! We had him. How did he escape? I don't know. I don't know. What do we do? We don't have the police support. We fight. We always fight. This did some okay business, didn't it? Yeah, it did okay business because you know there weren't. It had been quite delayed. It was highly anticipated. Mm -hmm. It was a decent scale, you know, kind of property. You know, Jamie Lee Curtis's name could, was still quite marketable, and the horror genre can be quite broader than people tend to think it is. Um, yeah, and also you know the, the series did find new fans with that reboot a couple of years ago, particularly through things like Netflix. This was just a bit underwhelming for. For, well, for anyone really, it just didn't work as a second chapter. It, none mm. of the, it just had none of the smarts of the first movie. It felt a lot less focused. Didn't make anywhere near as much sense. The, the character seems to walk around in circles for the entire movie, despite the fact that he's walking in a straight line. Uh, they keep telling us he's walking in a straight line over and over because the same characters keep discovering the same information several times in this. It's a really badly made movie. I adore the last one, like the 2018 one. I thought it was really good. I thought the last one was even better than the previous attempt to reboot it in the 90s, which was uh, H20. Mm. But uh, the previous yeah. Jamie Lee Curtis reboot, sorry, just didn't work for me. But I know there are, you know, huge, huge fans out there of the Halloween franchise, people like me who are still you know, wanting to be completist and get it on the shelf alongside the rest of the collection. And you can from this coming Monday, the 17th of January. So over to streaming then. And we've got a... A veritable smorgasbord upon us. We this do. Week, we? we have. Yeah, we, we do. Our, our cup runneth over, Miss Perfect. Yes. 
across multiple platforms as well. So mm. we've got some some offerings for you from obviously Netflix, from Prime Video as well, but also Disney Plus. And Disney Plus is where we're kicking off with all of this with Gifted. Now it's written in the same text as Glee, so I'm automatically <laughs> thinking there's going to be some some sort See, of thing. The logo up. is the Glee logo. Yeah, yeah. the logo is the Glee logo. So this is out on Friday. The this 14th. is out today. This is out today. This is out Friday today. Yeah. What can you tell us about Gifted, Van? Do you you I think you must have seen Gifted. Gifted was uh, 2017. Chris Evans and uh, McKenna Grace, who of course goes on to become the lead in Ghostbusters Afterlife. Uh, this is where she is the genius girl and he is the uncle who's taken her in after her mother's death and he gets into a custody battle with his no. mum, with her grandmother. Oh, You've not seen this? Octavia no, Spencer is in there as well. It's it, it's a bit of a courtroom drama, a bit of a goodwill hunting with a kid and... A, a, you know, a bit of an old-fashioned 90s style, 80s, 90s style weepy. Um, if you've not seen it, Bex, whack this on. I mean, you know, once we've done, you know, today, from today, from Friday the 14th, even though we are recording this day before, from Friday the 14th, the day this is going out, go on Disney Plus and, and whack on Gifted uh, okay. with Chris Evans. It's, uh, okay. it, it, it's, it's just gone. And it's bring just, the tissues. Bring, bring the tissues. Yeah. Yeah. And and yeah. Okay. Chris Chris Evans does a lot of you know, sanding of boats. I think in this. Okay. One of one of those. Well, one of those. Okay. Interesting. One of, um, one of those weepies. Do you know what I feel like with Chris Evans? Is he doing a little bit of a of a Ben Affleck uh, trajectory here, where he's kind of doing those like he's feeling himself out for for what kind of roles he's settling into. So Ben Affleck kind of has done roles like this before, and then he's done mm. the big blockbuster roles, yeah. and then he's done a bit of indie stuff. It kind of feels like he's doing the same thing, doesn't it? Does, yeah. He, he seems to know to keep his, his palette quite broad, I think, to keep his repertoire, you know, as expansive mm. as, he, as, he, as he can, but still You don't want to get pigeonholed from Marvel, do you? Yeah, he still keeps it quite mainstream, though. Good for him. But, uh, right, one that didn't quite catch on with the mainstream, which I think everyone, a, a huge fan base, wanted to, also comes to Disney Plus from today, Master and Commander, The Far Side of the World, starring Russell Crowe and Paul Bettany from 2003, adaptation of the beloved series of novels, um, this is is a Captain Jack Aubrey, the British sailor and his trusty crew as they take to the high seas in the name of the British Empire. Did you ever see this one? No, I didn't. I didn't. But I remember kind of around award season around that time, because obviously as a kid, I would, you know, religiously watch all of the award season stuff anyway, being such a fan of movies. I, there was expe expectations around this movie, and I don't think it came off um, even in awards uh, award season as well as at the box office. So I never really picked this one, but this one up because it was like, you know, 17th century on a boat mm. kind of didn't really appeal to me. I don't think I wasn't rushing out to go and watch it. It's really good. Oh. <laughs> it's shockingly good. <laughs> um, and do you know what? Especially now, you know, now in this day and age when we all have these much larger screens in our home, the movie actually still plays quite well on, on in scale on on larger home TVs as well. And it is on Disney Plus in full HD, so go and enjoy. I, I think it's worth it. It's, good. it's a good one. Especially if you yeah. want something on on Sunday. If you want something to like enjoy on Sunday afternoon that's got some got some energy but isn't too thrill a minute, does labour and take its time. 
Russell Crowe, Paul Bettany, Master Commander of the Far Side of the World on Disney+. Plus. Yeah. Also on Sunday, speaking of Sunday, Phantom Thread is coming to Netflix. This was this was Paul Thomas Anderson and Daniel Day-Lewis. Daniel Day-Lewis. This was one of those that the minute it was announced, we knew it was getting rubber stamped for Oscar nominations. Oh, uh, yeah. Great performances, though. Terrific performances. Yeah, good, good performances. Good. Just not not as, you know, not commercially. This is not going to mm. be something that no, everyone's going to rush oh, to go and watch. It's kind of arty. No, it's not. It's not. But it is It is worth your time, I suppose, just to kind of see the great Daniel Day-Lewis in his element again. Now, he didn't. He got not. Did he get nominated for an Oscar for this? I think he did, but he didn't win. And it was kind of like everyone was like expecting to see mm-hmm. what he was going to pull out as a result of this. Like, is it going to be, is he going to be the great, the, the, the greatest of all time? You know, is that how it's going to, yeah. it's going to play out for him? But it's, it, regardless, it's still a fantastic performance. So, so that's out on Sunday on Netflix, moving straight on, but sticking with Netflix on Monday after we fell. Is this the weird, like, fan-based? <laughs> yeah. yeah. This is, oh the Harry St- this is the Harry Styles, Harry Styles. Love Affair fanfic that they've adapted into movies. I think this is the third one of these. There is a fourth on the way. It stars, I think, Ray Fiennes' nephew or son? Yes. Hero, Hero Fiennes Hero Tiffin? Fiennes. Hero yeah. Fiennes. Yeah, yeah. Hero Fiennes Tiffin as he is in this movie. It is It is just, oh my God, it's, it's just bilge, you know, slush, trash romance for like 14 year old girls but if you're into I don't think we're the target market are we (laughs) that's it but if you're into this sort of of thing then this is being produced on the scale of like Twilight so fair play to them you know they're obviously someone's watching these things if you're into them, there's a third one on Netflix come Monday. You you enjoy. I think the first was enough for me. Quite more than enough for me. I'm intrigued. I'm going to watch these. I, I, I'd be interested to see if I have to watch the first one or if I could just pick this one up and watch it. But I am intrigued by this. So after we fell on Monday, Netflix, check it out. Now, one of Van's favourite movies of all times, one I am yet to see and I will do uh, because he just literally almost berated me for not seeing this. Um, it's on Wednesday on the uh, Prime Video, this is Office Space. Why is it one of your favourite movies? Right, this came uh, this was, this came on you know on the back of like Beavis and Butthead Do America, so Mike Judge did Beavis and Butthead, then did the movie for that, and then brought out uh, Office Space in, uh, I think it was, well, it was in 1999, but it was advertised in 1998, because it came on, the trailer came on the DVD for There's Something About Mary, which was like heavily on rotation every kind of house party and things, it was always like a TV in the background, something about Mary on and uh, right this was Mike Judge doing live action on a feature film scope and it's brilliant it's about a group of disenfranchised cubicle office workers in the late 90s who just just hate their lives and who stumble upon a scheme to you know just amuse themselves by funneling away a few pennies from the company that accidentally spirals out of control and uh, well do you know I'm I'm gonna let this is the sort of tone of it it's just the performances of it and the writing are just incredible it's such a quotable movie such an iconic movie of the 1990s if you've never seen it Bex oh my god you're, you're gonna adore the, it's, watch it's, it. it's, it's a watch piece it. of your 90s pop culture that you didn't realize you were missing like a, a key okay. part it, it, it's referred to quite often in things like family guy I say this is this is just a snippet of what you what you're in for this is Ron Livingston asking his neighbor construction worker played by Diedrich Bader um, what he'd do if he were rich what would you do if you had a million dollars I'll tell you what I'd do man Two chicks at the same time, man. 
That's it? You, you had a million dollars. You, you'd do two chicks at the same time? Damn straight. I always wanted to do that, man. And I think if I were a millionaire, I could hook that up, too, because chicks dig dudes with money. Well, not all chicks. Well, the type of chicks that double up on a dude like me do. Good point. So good times ahead. Honestly, great, great movie. Two jokes at the same time. And I love this movie so much. Such a quotable movie. <laughs> and you'll you'll never look at a red staple the same way. Our final movie, though, Thursday on Netflix. I'm going to single this out only because I know how much difficulty this young actor had finding work after his what should have been his big break. Natty's Mina Masood. Do you remember Mina Masood? <gasps> From Aladdin. From Aladdin, who actually had the nerve to turn around in an interview and say, look, I don't get, you think they were offering me roles after I was the star of the Disney movie? Surprisingly not. Gee, I wonder why. Well, now he has a Netflix rom-com. So do you know what? Yeah, let's everyone watch it. On it. Let's all Let's all put on the royal treatment on Thursday and watch Mina Masood star as a prince who falls in love with a salon owner. Hence the clever title, A Royal Treatment. What's not to love? Yeah, I mean, I this, is a, this, is, this is a Vanessa Hudgens away from perfection, isn't it? Yes. Is that what I'm thinking? Yes, a Vanessa Hudgens away from perfection. The, sl the slushy, slimy rom-com formula is all there in all its glory. Let's enjoy for Mina Masood's benefit and show him we'll actually show up. So that's the world treatment on Thursday on Netflix. And you know what? I think that's that's a pretty good run for a week. It's a pretty I good think. run. Yeah, absolutely. There's so much choice here for you guys. So if you are looking at the big screen, then obviously you might want to get into involved in a bit of a screamer there. There's loads of uh, things that are out for you on the TV as well, just generally on your free view, but also loads of new offerings on streaming and DVD and Blu-ray as next well. So next week, by the way, is absolutely insane. If COVID doesn't change any of the release patterns at the last minute, because we were meant to have Cyrano this week, which is why we only have three movies. But next week, at present time, we're getting the release of Belfast. We're getting Journal for Jordan, Denzel Washington's new uh, drama starring Michael B. Jordan. And we've got uh, Nightmare Alley, the new Guillermo mm. del Toro movie. Also, Memory Box is out as well, which is a new foreign language drama that looks quite compelling. It's going to be a stuffed week next week. Yes, I can't wait. Um, I'm really excited about Belfast. It's starting to pick up a few awards, particularly for the ladies. Uh, Katrina Balfi, uh, who you might recognise from Outlander, I think she's picked up a SAG Award nomination. I think that was what it was this week. So uh, yeah, really exciting stuff um, in that realm. But we will be back, of course, bringing you all of the good stuff that you need to keep on top of when it comes to your movie watching. But for now, I've been Bex Perfect. I've been Dan Connor, and we shall return.